One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not being asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cuffed you, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're down to four in the football championship, lads. Two more provincial champions crowned at the weekend. Fantastic celebrations in Tyrone after reclaiming it. 11 in a row for Dublin. I'd say you didn't even drink a beer, Alan, but we'll get to that in in part two. Ulster champions, Colm, I suppose, like new management coming in, it's like a fantastic year. There's no no doubt about that. Like, and, and the way they did it, you know, missing so many players. We saw the Dublin hurlers recently miss some players by COVID, lost the Leinster final. You know, a lot of people had a lot of sympathy on them because, you know, it was very hard to deal with that shock at the end. Tyrone missed Tierna McCann, Richie Donnelly, Frank Burns, Rory Brennan and their manager and still managed to win the Ulster Championship. Yeah, um, first and foremost, that there's an awful lot of... Like, I don't think that's going to be the end of it, uh, just with the COVID side of things. And it's, it's just unfortunate them lads had to had to sit out at the weekend and you know that's just the times we're in but uh look, take nothing away from Tyrone um it was a fantastic uh game of football I thought um it probably had a little bit of madness in it um as well but uh look they, they, they probably showed their they showed where they're you know I, I've been fairly confident over the last number of years there's been a good uh there's been a good panel and a good bench and people people nowadays to win anything you need you need that strength and depth and by and large, you know they're missing a lot of mainstays there in, in in that team at the weekend. But you know the guys that that, that, that came in, um, I was fairly confident even before the game that they would step up and and do the business. And yeah, I, I didn't want it as close as that or as nerve wracking. Um, but at the same time, you know getting over the line in the final is all that matters. Really. Do you know when they found out about these uh, COVID issues, or do you know like I saw Brian Dewar said after the game uh, with communication the way it is nowadays, there's no barriers, so he definitely had a big input before and during the game like I'm just thinking of a player's routine here Colin like your manager now is on a Skype call in the dressing room you're thrown out of your comfort you know you're thrown out of your your normal routine you're in uncharted territory for sure um, I, I, I don't know like how, how early in the week that they knew or you know there were there was rumours uh, going around that there was potential Covid issues and 
obviously uh, having a, a bit of an inside line there. You know, the guys were trying to stay well clear of, of training. I, I actually don't even know if they trained there last week. I, there, was, there was people talking that they never trained all week. Um, that's yet to be confirmed or denied, but uh, they were they were on complete lockdown uh, the week prior to the game. So there was something that, you know, must have been going on in the background on that. So I'm not sure how that, 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 that would massively impact your preparations if that was the case, if, if, if they weren't training on that. And especially not having Fergal uh, there as well, it's, you're really in a you're really in a in a weird place at that point, but uh, and it would it would it, it would disrupt definitely the like the week of a game. You don't do an awful awful lot of training. And, um, it's fairly short, sharp, focusing in on the on the tactical stuff. And if that is the case, you know, the, 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 you know, and if it's still get over the line, it's a it's a fairly fairly uh, good bit of business, Pedro. Yeah, it definitely is, Alan, isn't it? Like, I mean, yeah, Jesus. it is. It is, but I think you'd find like over the last kind of year or whatever, guys have probably probably become used to doing team meetings and stuff over Zoom calls and I know like any management team kind of worth of salt now is preparing for all sorts of eventualities so I remember with Jim Gavin we used to go through a list of what ifs the week before a game what if the bus breaks down what if something happens what if this happens so so, so really, give us a so few more of them there through. give us a few more what ifs <laughs> what if we what if we can see the goal in the first minute right. that sort of stuff yeah. I mean, we someone, gets sent off. Like someone gets sent off yeah, so, you could, so I'm sure with COVID those, those sort of scenarios had been spoke about during the year what if players get COVID what how many was how many what ifs was there there was about 10 on the list really? at one stage, there was, yeah. yeah. There's no, no stone on her. <laughs> I tried to say, we didn't have that, we didn't have that at all. Yeah, no, it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, it is a good idea. Yeah. But I mean, look, I suppose, it's, like if something happens that's significant for the team, like this, a manager going missing, or, or a number of players getting sick or whatever, or catching cold. So I'm sure it would have been discussed in how, and it just might have brought a little bit of clarity in a week that if you hadn't have gone through that beforehand, it would have caused a bit of confusion. Is he out, is he in, this sort of stuff. So, yeah. Um, like ultimately, the players that were available had to focus on the had to focus on the job in hand, and 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 yeah, like I think like there's probably been a few questions asked at Toronto this year so far, and it's obviously taken Brian Dewar and Fergal on a bit of time to put their own stamp on things and to start to implement kind of the way they want to play football. But you can definitely see it starting to come to fruition. You can see confidence in a lot of the guys, like. Um, like even McCurry, yes, he's probably a little bit quieter than he was the last day, right. but he looks like he's still losing so much confidence. Matty Donnelly probably had his best game this year, like the dummy solo he threw. Like what that, what uh, uh, as a forward, what a dummy solo like that when you sell a fella like that does for somebody's confidence. I remember throwing to myself, and if you catch someone like that, it just it just does wonders for your confidence. So yeah. he's been he got he's gone into an All Ireland semi final now full of confidence, and and you did it to Mark Riley on your debut, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> I did actually. Yeah. <laughs> I used to throw a few of them. I think lads copped onto it towards the end of my career. I used to love a dummy solo but what it does for forwards confidence is huge you know yourself when I you prefer pull that a off, dummy solo than a point yeah when you pull it off it's beautiful especially when the fella goes sprawling across <laughs> your uh, looking for the block but um, no they look in really good, show, good shape Tyrone and if you bring those three or four guys kind of back into the team um, they're certainly in a good position going into a semi-final and they're going to be underdogs against Kerry so they've nothing to lose at this stage in fairness to Brian Dewar and Fergal Logan to win an Ulster Championship in their first year um, in what looked like a really difficult and what was a really difficult Ulster Championship is a is a big a, a big plus for them. Yeah, a quite difficult draw for them as well. The defending Ulster champions Cavan, Donegal, and then Monaghan to win it. So, like, I mean, we'll talk about that game in a minute, but we have to discuss this goalkeeper uh, thing at the weekend that we saw. So we saw Niall Morgan marking space on maybe the forty five for a lot of the game, maybe up towards midfield making sure that Began doesn't have a big area to, to, to kick into, acting maybe as a deterrent to Began. And then we saw Began kind of doing the same thing in the second half. 
um, column, something similar. He almost got cut out uh, just from one long kick out. He's caught in no man's land and it took, you know, a brilliant tackle from him and, you know, flicked it up to himself. It was outrageous what he did. But like, I mean, at the end of the day, should he really be doing that column? Like, what do you take of this? What do you make of this new phenomenon? Like, I mean, can you see this taking hold or is this just one goalie copying the other on a on a on a weird day? I know, I know. With Nile, especially, he plays outfield for his club, and a very, very good outfield club player. Um, I've marked him a few times myself, and he's given me my fill of it. So, I think with Tyrone, I can suppose so. We're looking at Tyrone first. Like what they're trying to do, and Nile has been encouraged probably the last number of years from both both Mickey and now obviously from Brian and and Fergal to uh, you know come out and nearly act as a sweeper or whatnot. He's obviously taking it to another level now, going out and pushing right out. Uh, for kickouts and that, um, it, it's risky. It's risky. We see, we seen, we seen what you know, begging. Um, obviously, nearly getting caught, and probably Matty should have shipped it on, and it would have been a score out of back of it. And I think it's going to take something like that. To, if that happens, then it might they might reverse a wee bit. Um, there's probably other ways they could do it. I know you talked about potentially moving guys, you know, pushing the corner back, pushing the half back, and and whatnot. But the one thing the way now and begging's doing it is they're in control, so they're sort of they're coming running out and, you know, okay, it's a long, long run, but there, there's no real other moving parts bar them making decisions. So if you trust your goalie uh, to do that and they're comfortable with the field, I, I don't see, I, I don't, I'm not saying I fully agree with it, but I can see the merit. I can see the merit and the advantages it has in terms of stifling kickouts and, you know, like begging coming up uncontested or now coming up uncontested, even with the ball and whatnot. But, um, it, it definitely creates overlaps and there is positives to it, but uh, how long it lasts is hard to know because nobody's really got caught out yet. And that one, if, if Matty had scored a goal uh, at the weekend, you know, would you have seen begging out again? I'm not so sure. I'm just trying to picture Mickey Hart and his wrestling encouraging Niall Morgan to go out and play this week, where it's just <laughs> Comple- it's bizarre. Com- completely, completely. Uh, it was we, we we did encourage. We tried it in training a few times actually years ago, where uh, I said, say for example, I was staying out and around the middle and. You know, you were because the problem was was with with Tyrone back then was that I was probably running back, but I was leaving my midfielder free. Yeah. Uh, and if he was doing damage, then it, it caused a bit of a problem. And we weren't we didn't want to play that whole defensive fourteen men behind the ball, uh, which we historically did. So we we did tweak tweak and amend it, and we sort of said, right, let's see how this works. And like to be fair, Morgan, he uh, he cut out a lot of ball and and done some, but then ultimately, whenever the the nitty gritty of the championship game. We didn't follow through with it, like so. So did happened. you? So did you discuss when he goes on a run, like like if there's any sort of space in front of him, he just goes full Go. belt into yeah. the space. Yeah. So what See, happened? What what was supposed to happen when he goes and if he goes on a run, who covers the goal or who? Like, well, well, not normally. Normally, the what was happening in games and in house games and whatnot as well was that he was going, but the forwards were coming to track him as well and trying to get the ball off him. Um, so it always left one or two defenders back as such, but he always had the run on the, on the forwards nearly. Um, we never got caught out in training. There was never, I don't think, a goal or anything really caught off it. Because, and, But the only thing was, now normally got the, our own 45 and delivered a long pass in. Yeah. Uh, and he, then he'd he loves one off the outside of the boot too, doesn't he? But th- yeah, these guys are getting braver now and they're playing the short hand passes and they're staying and they're, you know, they're, they're creating more uh, overlaps and whatnot. So, it's becoming a, a riskier game from, from you know, and we've seen it at the weekend there that there was, there was. Time. It's great to watch. Don't get me wrong; I, I really enjoyed seeing, seeing seeing a different slant on this. But whether it's sustainable or not, uh, you know, and whether it's thread again in the 
semi-final um, that'll be that'll be an interest You see I don't think it is sustainable and I don't think Matty Donnelly needed to score that goal to show everybody how stupid this is because it just took one Niall Morgan kick out long one to completely take the goalkeeper and I, I do take your point Colm there's, there's less moving parts by sending the goalkeeper out than there is you know moving up a line there's less moving parts now the goalie has a long way to go back and you saw from the Began chance, Alan, Ryan Wiley had to go back on the goal. It was two forwards versus one defender with Ryan Wiley covering the goal as Began's chasing him. So there, you do have to drop off a forward to be the goalkeeper. You can't just leave it empty and follow your man. So there is a moving part there in that scenario as well. And I just can't comprehend how, you, how one kick-out can take your goalie out of the game. I, I, just don't, I just don't understand how this is a tactic. And we saw for years... Kerry have a very aggressive press-up. We saw when Dublin were a man down against Kerry in the 2019 final, how Cluxton pressed up and pressed played cornerback to give them that extra man out the field. And it's not hurling. You can't drive the ball down that quick. You will be able to filter back and get, you know, get, somebody, get the goalkeeper in goals, someone back to switch over. How is this an idea in the modern game that you can leave your goalkeeper completely stranded and one kick-out can take him out? Yeah, I'd imagine now it could be wrong, but at one stage, when I was watching this match with Jamie, my 12 year old, and like uh, whatever about the tactic side of it, it just became a game where the two of us watching the goalies. And they, like at one stage, he's up there, Dad. And it was Niall Morgan, 30 yards in front of, like, in but front this of was, Rory Beggins. But this kick was out. madness. He actually like, went running up to press a corner back on the other side. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not sure if it, if that would have been discussed kind of beforehand to say, right, press up all that way. I can understand, as you say, when he presses out into a pocket, maybe around his own right half or left half pack position on Rory Bacon's kick out or on Niall Morgan's kick out just to try to compress the field and if I was a manager that's as far as I, I'd be taking I certainly wouldn't be encouraging him to go any further I wouldn't be encouraging him to be under kick outs because at one stage Rory Began I think got caught under a kick out too yeah. and, and um, he's a big man but like so they were nearly caught a couple of times yeah. both of them they're, they're big lads like and both Kim Cat like you talk really about putting the ball out on top of them like now Morgan would be really comfortable with a high ball coming out on top of them as would Began I would well, imagine yeah but so Colin what if he gets caught under it with two midfielders and the ball breaks down he's gone out of the game again he, You've got the advantage of numbers. So if you bring a forward, bring across a midfielder, they're, they're, his man's going to come with him. So you're two on one then at that point. So you're still in a numbers positive in my head. Uh, I know it's more risky. I, I totally get that, but I, I just see them two. They, I'm just thinking of these two keepers. You know, Beggins as a massive character. Morgan is brilliant in midfield for his club and can catch high ball. And if you bring a man over, okay, it, it leaves it a bit more risky. But even if the ball broke down on one side, you're always going to have somebody else come back from the other side. So I don't know. I, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying I'm pro this, but I'm saying I can see the logic behind it. I think it could I, I be a little bit like they're two two experienced footballers that like to express themselves, and whether their goalkeepers are outfielders. Is, is, is there a bit of an ego? Is there a bit of ego in this? I'm not sure if it's an ego. I think they're 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 kind of two guys that are willing to take risks to try and go and win a try and go and win a match. And you need guys that like it can go either way. Like you could win a kick out or you could lose a kick out. And like in a game like that, it's a lot of the time it's it's the bravest team that might that might win out on the day. And it's the guys are just trying to do something obviously you're taking a risk I'm sure for them it's a calculated risk it can go wrong but it can go right as well and, and, and but as I said I think I'd be I'd be in favour of pushing out to condense a field on, on an opposition kick out yeah. but where Niall Morgan ended up in, in, in um, for one of Rory Began's kick outs 20 or 25 metres away from the top was a little bit a little bit too much and, and could easily have been punished Yeah why, why can't the whole team just go zonal column and avoid this altogether so like I mean if you're going man on man and following them everywhere 
they can make sure there's a huge gap on one side because, you know, if, if a team's marking man for man, you can drag a team pretty much anywhere and set up spaces around the field. Why would you not just go zonal? I remember Dublin with a zonal press um, under Jim Gavin in, towards the end and it was the most intimidating. There was literally nowhere in the half of the field that you could, that you could put it without, without, if you caught it without being kind of, you know, two or three lads condensing on you. I, I just think there has to be better ways than sticking your goalkeeper up into the other half of the field. Yeah, uh, you're right, probably the zonal thing could. Um, it depends on the way you want to set up. Like, ultimately, teams are tweaking and amending their kick-out strategies and whether it's, you know, man-on-man and putting a full press on. Sometimes the zonal thing, you have to be very good at the zonal thing. And uh, obviously Dublin probably were the best at it for a number of years. But like I remember with her own and stuff, we played that zonal piece and keepers were still, the keepers are that good these days and they can hit the, the pockets and the hit lines and double up on, on one side. You know, they're overloading on one side and therefore they still get the kick out of the way. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's it's, an, it's probably an option. Um, but if you're looking to really put a press on somebody and put a squeeze on and trying to cut out space, yeah. Look, there's no... Uh, I don't think there's any easy easy answer in this. I, I do oh, think yeah. it's going. I ain't throwing a threat. I ain't throwing a threat again. I, I do think they'll, you know, they're going to have to throw something different. Carry their massive underdogs going forward in the next game. They have to throw something different here to say, look, you know, the, Alan talked about risks there uh, in the game, and I think, you know, coming from Toronto the last number of years, we've been fairly, you've been playing safe. We've been playing within ourselves. To win this game, this next game against Kerry, they have to take something. They have to show something different at them uh, yeah. and really put them out of their comfort zone. And how how, how it works, um, we're not sure yet. But like, I'm still in favour. I'm all for Morgan going forward, oh, going see. forward, and 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 staying up and and really putting the press on. Uh, uh, I think it it could work against Kerry. I think they're in big big trouble if they try that one. But I will give them Morgan as an example of being very good on the ball. I think Beggins clumsy on the ball. I think he's you know solos it up too high. He's not the he's actually pretty fast getting back on Matty Donnelly but soloing fast he wouldn't be that fast. He can look a bit awkward. I would be completely against him coming out too much. But the last one on this Alan like I mean I remember Kieran McGinney I think it was four years ago tried a midfielder in goals like not an unorthodox goalkeeper and he started the kind of give it out, go get the return and come out. I can understand a goalie getting a 1-2, which they're not allowed to do now, but get a 1, another pass and come out. Every man is a man. Now you can run up the whole. I can see the logic in that and I wouldn't discourage that. Can you see goalkeepers changing, you know, roles completely, you know, in the next 10 years? Where like an outfielder, for example, shot stopping mightn't be as important as what can you do, like an Aussie, like a compromise rules goalie, for example. Well, I think to be fair, already shot stopping is no like is no longer the most important trait of a goalkeeper. Like in the last few years, it's become all about the kick out. Like if you hadn't got a good kick out, um, or a very accurate kick out, then you just couldn't play top level into county football. But I think you will see like like it's like like it probably went a little bit too far at the weekend. But it is and for instance, Niall Morgan, you say like he's very comfortable on the ball. Like if he comes out, sometimes the guy's a keeper. He's going to get caught here, but he's a good shimmy on him. He can turn yeah. back. He can he can kick a pass. He can give a long range pass in off. Like he can give lovely ball in off the outside of his foot. I've seen him do it. And and, and he's obviously like he's a very like he's a brave footballer. He's made mistakes in the past, lots of mistakes, and and it doesn't deter him from doing what. What he wants to do, so he is like kind of trends follow follow footballers or goalkeepers like like they did with Stephen Cluxon. It'll be the same with Niall Morgan. Like he is, he is getting to that level now where he's where like he's a very solid goalkeeper. And him him doing something like that, I think we'll have other teams follow on. I think in in 
in club championships all over the country now this, this winter we're going to see goalkeepers we, 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 tried, we, we tried it in the club game last week believe it or not played an outfielder we had it but we, we were forced to play an outfielder <laughs> we've and, all and been there goals. I, 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 and it worked really well and he scored a couple of points and actually done really well uh, but again the, the shot stop and piece probably didn't really get exposed because we had to probably pull them back but yeah it's going to be a new trend starting yeah uh, I've all said it any outfielder worth his salt can play in goals <laughs> let's be honest but like I mean Niall Morgan is a sh- Niall Morgan's a showman there's no doubt about that I think he's bored out of his eyes in the goals he wants to get into the action um, anyways lads we'll move on to the match 16-15 like a game of two halves column like I mean how do you sum this up Tyrone very good in the first half especially the second quarter we saw the Tyrone that you know Logan and Dewar are trying to you know encourage Good kick passing, Donnelly McCurry, you know, good movement. And I thought what was impressive was Mark Bradley and Conor McKenna, when he could, tried to link the two lines. It wasn't a huge gap because Bradley and, and McKenna at least were there for maybe a short ball and turn around and, and maybe, you know, give it in from there again. So I, I was impressed with Tyrone in the first half. Yeah, in the first half especially, we have to... They obviously built up the lead and whatnot, but they they really impressed me on their on the mono and kick out. Um, they really did put a squeeze in Began, and probably you don't often see Began under you know getting rattled. And he was throwing the arms up, and you could see him. He was very very visibly annoyed at you know whether it was the movement or whether Throne were pressing really really high up. Um, and it, you know that for me that gave Throne a real platform because there were Began was kicking the ball maybe over the line or wasn't getting it to where it was meant to go and. Throne played with a wee bit of fear. Uh, for the first time, I really enjoyed watching. They were direct. They, you know, they tried a few long passes in. Some worked, some didn't work. Yeah. Uh, they were brave. You know, the I said Donnelly and McCurry inside were were, were providing options. Um, Bradley obviously kicked one or two as well. So they, they played. And contrast that to Monaghan, I watched Monaghan and I was going. They got the Thrones forty-five or whatever it was, and Thrones started to man them up. And they nearly were playing. You know, they were happy to go lateral and they're happy to slow it down, but. They were struggling, I think, to, to, to get through. And, you know, maybe that, you know, the, the, the fi- because it was a final and, you know, it's in Crook Park, it, maybe, it nearly showed, it nearly looked like they were a wee bit afraid to actually go through them um, and didn't trust themselves after the, the way they were left themselves open against Armagh. But, uh, yeah, look, obviously the third quarter was a different story and, you know, Tyrone really were under the cash and, uh, you know, it could have been very different, you know, had not, I think they got... This is McInnesby in the second half went to play a pass inside for a goal chance and throw him back up the other end to make it 13-12 and sort of showed the showed the thing up and sort of control the game a wee bit after that. But Throne needed the water break in the third quarter. They were they were under pressure. Um, but to be fair to them, they, 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 they controlled the game after that and I, I thought and, and closed it out well, albeit Monaghan probably made too late. They took two shots at the end, which... You know, I don't think a Dublin or a Kerry would do. They would get the ball to the right man and get the ball over the bar. So, um, but all in all, happy from a Trump perspective, obviously. Uh, but uh, still, there's still work to do. Yeah, like I mean, the I, there was a stat at half time where Tyrone had 19 attacks and they got 19 shots off and they scored 11 11 times. Monaghan had 20 attacks, they got 13 uh, shots off and they scored six. And the very obvious is that Tyrone were direct with their attacks. They mixed it up well. And like Colm says, Monaghan ran everything and a lot of the time turned back and gave it back. And now Tyrone... So Tyrone looked like they were dangerous in attack and incredibly tight at the back, you know, with bodies back. And it was just like Monaghan played into their hands. Yeah, well, like, you know what you're, you're going to get with Monaghan. Um, like, you're going to get a lot of intensity. Probably not as good a football team as Tyrone are in terms of 
individuals if we're being honest about it um, and in the first half Tyrone looked much the better team and you could definitely see the stamps of the stamps of the new management team in terms of there was a lot more kick pass than, than what we'd be used I think on the Sunday game last night they highlighted maybe a little bit of a gap in the in the kind of in the half forward line around the link area and it was obviously from the TV it's difficult to see that but but, but it looked watching it that there was very good shape and structure about yeah. I thought McKenna and Bradley were kind Tyrone of were playing, trying to bridge yeah. that yeah, they were. McKenna came out and, and, and like they've such like they're all of such lovely footballers. And it, like everyone on their team can deliver good kick passes. Um and they looked like they were gonna run away with it to be fair. And but like again, like you know what you get with Mon and they just never give up, especially with especially with Banty in charge and they, 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 they came flying out in the second half. And maybe Tyrone weren't expecting, maybe they thought the game was gonna peter out a little bit. They looked so far ahead in the first half, they looked so much so much more superior than Monaghan but um, I think what impressed me about Tyrone as well when it got to 12 all you're thinking God Tyrone look under pressure here now missing the few guys yeah. maybe the week they've had but in fairness they kicked on again after that I think they got the next three scores after that did they um, and McShane got a great score to put them 13-12 but after he had a ropey enough start after he came Very on nervous. he missed a couple of balls but he got a great score to at 12 all to put uh, to put Tyrone a point up and I think a fella like him we've we've spoken about benches the three of us a lot of time bringing a fella like him off the bench I think is huge like just the presence he gives in a full forward line the ability he has and um, now whether he starts or not the next day I'm not I'm not sure but certainly having a fella like him coming off the bench is a huge plus for Toro Yeah he definitely but he doesn't look himself though Colin you can see why he's not starting like he's fumbling balls uh, he fumbled two balls then he got a point then he had a very bad one off the left hand side which he sh- probably shouldn't have taken on it kind of a de- it was a, an air of desperation about it or something you, you know you can see why he's just you wouldn't criticise the management for having him not, not in at the start no, definitely not. Um, they say he came on and uh, obviously he fumbled a few balls and got his point and then kicked the eye that one with the left foot. I was screaming on the TV, why like, Why would you be taking that on? It was, he looked off balance and didn't yeah. look like it was uh, a, a, good, a good option for him. But look, he, he's coming into games trying to, like, when, you know yourself, uh, coming into a game, you really want to make an impact. Mm. You really want to get on the ball early uh, people um, and get a score or whatnot. And you can see that he, he's making he's making a lot of runs and he's he's trying to influence the game and that, that'll come. Um, but I can see like you've got to remember he's come back from a very very bad injury and a lot of setbacks over 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 the period of time that he was out and like just from the sound bites out of his own camp over the last few months is that he you know he is a wee bit rusty and he, he probably isn't at that full full match pace and we're sort of the stage of the year now where I'm not sure you can trust him at this stage to start him and um, given you know the rest of the lads are sort of. I've played a lot more football than him, and at this stage of the year, uh, you know, if you're not fully match fit, you you can't. I don't know. It's very hard to get fully match fit in a in a training or in in house games and whatnot. So, it's probably the best use of him. And from what we've seen today, it's probably that he's going to be that impact player and come off come off the bench for for Tyrone. And um, you know, that's probably and Tyrone is and they are in a good place. But that's you know, they have plenty of lads that are come on change the game at the moment, and whether it's in forward or defence. So. Like I think to be like like a fella like him coming in, he's gonna attract attention. And like there's other good players in the Tyrone bench, and over the years, it's probably an area Tyrone have struggled a little bit. Maybe they're maybe they're bringing the likes of Mark Mark Bradley off the bench, maybe McCurry off the bench in previous years. Very good footballers in their own right, but a fella like McShane coming in with his presence is gonna attract attention, whether it's against Kerry or whether against Dublin or Mayo, or whatever. And and like I think he's a he's a great option coming in off the bench because you'd be worried about him coming in. You know he can cause against Mayo, huh? Against Mayo. Yeah, well, maybe. Who knows? Mayo are going to beat Dublin. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you trying to fool? <laughs> now, come here. 
One other thing about Tyrone, I'll show this one to you, Ellen, is because, like, I mean, we're praising him for their kick passing in. They're, but they're not as slick at it as the likes of Carrier. You know, like, I mean, some of the balls going in were from a good bit back. Like, when when the ball goes in, if McCurry doesn't kick a pint from the ball that goes in, or Donnelly doesn't kick a pint, and the love, you know, dummy solo, that option off the shoulder isn't there, which that's what separates, like, Sakari away from Tyrone, who are kind of finding their feet, you know, with that style. You know, it, it, it was nice to see, because they had variety to their attacks, and you, they obviously had to keep Monaghan, they kept Monaghan honest by not knowing what they're going to do. But it's not as, you know, it's not, it's not, it's definitely a work in progress. Yeah, it is. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's a work in progress. And I think, to be fair, that's the style of football they play down in Kerry all the time. So yeah. a lot of those guys are used to, are used to growing up playing like that. Those little pop passes running off the shoulder, little simple hand pass off somebody running through. So it's probably a change for a lot of their own guys. And, 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 and like, as you said, we spoke about the shape and stuff. And they're still committing a lot of men to defence when they don't have the ball. So it's about... I spoke about it the last show how you keep that balance between the forwards and the back making sure you have the men up that you can play like that making sure you can get support runners into the likes of Donnelly or McShane or McCurry whoever's in there and I'm sure that's something the management team will look at and they'll they'll work on it and, and I suppose it's it's when you're giving the kick passes in it, like if you're kicking it in from 50 or 60 yards out it's difficult to get runners there because because it's so far out but if you can can maybe get it to the half forward line or the 45 yard line so it's just a 20 or a 30 yard kick pass then you can get men after you can get men at, men in after it so I suppose it's, it's when they're giving the kick pass into the full forward line maybe they they just need to get it a little bit further up the field so when the passes are going in they can get support runners there but it's it's definitely something they can add to the game and I'm sure it's something the management will look at before the next day Yeah it's the next step I suppose it is it is bridging, bridging that gap What about Monaghan column? Like I mean Darren Hughes off at half time Carlo Connell off at half time you know, a little bit wasteful he was in the first half. And, you know, they improved a lot when these lads went off. And, you know, I think Darren is 35, Carl is 33. Carl hasn't had a good season um, at all. Hard to understand how they could bring that energy to the second half, but couldn't bring it to the first half. It's always a, a psychologically. How do How is that explained? Uh, and, and I don't even know whether it was the, the personnel difference. Like, I don't know, the, the two couple of changes, people was very easily looked at. Oh, look, they took a couple of men off and, you know, everything was great. And the, the men that came in, you know, really picked it up. I, I think it's more a psychological piece where, you know, as I, say, I said it, I said it when I was watching Munna in the first half, they nearly looked afraid. They nearly looked like, you know, we can, you know, we're, we conceded so much against Armagh. We need to just sort of, you know, feel our way in this game and, and be a wee bit cagey about it. And, like when you're eleven, what was it, eleven six or whatever at half time, you're like the only thing Bondy could have said to them is, "Look, lads, you just have to go out here in this third quarter and and, and let loose." Like, and and that's you know they, they did that, and they you know they, they significantly improved in that in that third quarter. Um, and say really put thrown thrown the back foot. So, look, the, the personnel is one thing. You you were always going to change it up. He was always going to change it up at half time. It, it was probably one of one of his poorest halves of football probably that played all year. Um, and yeah, look, they, it's hard to say. I'm never. Like, it's, it's very, very difficult to say whether it's a personnel thing. I think, I think just psychologically, they, they turned that switch, and Throne probably didn't expect it. They, they probably didn't. They expected probably a, a backlash of some sort. But you know, if you're in that Throne dressing room, you're saying, "Look, lads, that's you know, the next five minutes, let's control the game, let's control the tempo of the game, let's slow it down." You know, and naturally, you know, you know, don't let Monaghan get in any sort of. Uh, momentum and you know they weren't able to do that so you have to give credit to massive or 
credit to Monaghan for a massive improvement in that third quarter. Yeah, a big and you have to give Niall Morgan a bit of credit. When Monaghan will get a score, you'd be always looking now, can they get another one? And Morgan found Kilpatrick with a couple of very good kickouts, you know, to take that kind of pressure off. The one thing about Monaghan, you often see who was giving McCarron the ball when he was getting it? Connor McManus. You know, like their half forward line, this buzzing, fast half forward line, poor Aaron Mulligan taken off. He hasn't, you know, uh, been the same the last couple of games. You know, he would have been friendly with Ogie, uh, sorry, who passed away. Like, then you have Stephen O'Hannon who didn't show up on the day and Bannigan who did a lot of work but wasn't around that half forward line. That was a big strength of theirs, Alan, that kind of young, fast, smart half forward line. Yeah, it is, but it's a le- well, it's probably a level up for them going into a Ulster final like that yesterday, and, and like those lads will will obviously learn a lot from it, and, and can in defeats like that, especially close defeats, there is there's there's kind of huge lessons in it. But I think they just found Tyrone too, too maybe too intense on the day, especially in the first half. They just couldn't get to the just couldn't get to the pitch of the game, and just on Colin's point there, I'd say Banty went in at half time and I was with fur- was furious with how they performed in the in yeah. the in, like like in the twenty minutes before half time and um like I say they just came out and say in the Toronto dressing room they were thinking, Okay, we're halfway there here now, let's just keep this going and then you get caught with with, with just manning up in the intensity levels and um like in fairness to McCarran, he was decent yesterday, he kicked some good scores and um yeah, they probably just needed a little bit more support up there in the two lads. McManus was doing was actually doing a lot of work around the field as well. He was he was he was playing out in front of McCarran a lot. You would have preferred him a little bit closer to goal. Yeah. Um. But obviously the two boys are very are very dangerous inside McCarran and Conor McManus. But but probably could have done with a bit more support from the rest of the forward line. Yeah. Performance of the weekend then. Maddie Donnelly got man of the match column. Like I mean, you know he had a very good first half. He did. He didn't have a good second half. Now he went out midfield after Cottle McShane came on. He's on the freeze as well. That's a worry for Tyrone. No offence to Matty. Like, I mean, that's one area where Paul Donaghy is a loss. You know, he missed a bad one in the second half. You cannot miss them at the, at that level. No, absolutely not. It was like maybe 21 out and hit the post or whatever. And that's something that, yeah, they're worth their weight in goal, uh, having free taker. And people talk about whether you can carry a free taker, you know, for them. Um, like now Morgan's obviously fairly good. Well, I know he missed a couple of the weekend, but it's normally fairly accurate from distance. So, um, and McCurry obviously from the from the other side now. So um, you might see that the McCurry may decide to start taking them from the other side yeah. to a certain point. Um, and I'm not sure. I'm just thinking around the team there. Molly probably is probably the, the best place if Donahue's not on um, to, to take them them right footed ones. So it's yeah. I, I don't want to see too many on the far right on the right side unless you know. Because I think they'll have to go to Morgan and whatnot. But uh, look, Molly had a, had a serious game. Um, you're probably between himself and then obviously Kieran McGeary for me was Good again, yeah. incredible. Like there was, there was one period of play where he, he 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 cut a ball out and and made a real good dispossession and was up the other end and ended up getting fouled for free and whatnot. Like so, he was all over the place and like he's been probably you know he's got a lot of yellow cards. He's been taken off in games and you know the last the last two games against Donegal and and uh, Manon, he's been fairly he's been really impressive for you. Yeah, he definitely has. Anybody else? Like I was looking through for performance at the weekend. There was no one. There wasn't that many people on the winning team, which usually is you know putting their hand up of saying outstanding outside of like McGeary and Maddie Donnelly. And Maddie Donnelly didn't have a great second half. It's a weird one, isn't it? Would it, Would it be fair to say that Hamshi done very fairly well and like Manus? Yeah, it it would. Yeah, yeah, Hamshi did fairly well. I think he did, but like I suppose uh, scored an unbelievable point. Um, but like McManus did get on a good, he got on a bit of ball and was playing further out the field than you would like from a Monaghan point of view, I suppose. 
Yeah, I suppose that's fair. fair. I, I I thought he was fairly good. Obviously, you know, McManus is always the go-to, and uh, maybe he was being forced out the field because they weren't getting that ball inside and whatnot. But I, yeah. I just I thought it was a very good like what McManus scored one from play, and it was that one that it looked like nearly it got deflected over the <laughs> over the bar the way he kicked it. But yeah, it was uh, a crucial turnover. The last the last play of the game too, a ball was kicked up the was kicked up the line to McManus and Hamsey was right alongside him. And he just got a little fist yeah, in yeah. and won the ball back, and it was game over. And I think Tyrone kept the ball after that. Um, it wasn't the greatest kick at that stage of the game no, was it no it wasn't he probably should have turned and come back but you'd expect like Conor McManus was probably out in front when he looked but I think with the pace of Hamsey and, and he's a really aggressive full back he probably just got there just in time to, yeah. to get a touch but it was a crucial turnover at that stage oh it was game over when they didn't win that that was their last that was their last attack pretty yeah, much yeah I think Tyrone kept the ball after that but I'd go for Maddie Donnelly just because of the dummy solo to be honest what about Ryan what about Ryan Wiley uh, did a good job in McCurry I thought yeah he uh, did I thought McCurry still kicked a couple of decent scores I, I, I just like the McCurry looks like he's playing with so much confidence now. If he gets half a chance, he's kicking over. He he, he lovely one with his left. He followed on with one with his right. He just I know I I I kind of questioned him last week in the show saying is he like where did he rate against the really good forwards yeah. in the country? Um, and look, we're, we're probably going to find out over the next game or two exactly where he rates because it's it's uh, it's coming to crunch time now. But certainly in this Ulster Championship, he's he's probably been Tyrone's best forward. And he looks like he's he's. He's he's oozing confidence at the moment. I thought Michael McKernan had a good game, uh, Colm. He was all over the field. Yeah, look, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. He's he gives you he gives Tony a bit of a ring. He, he can he can do a day job of man marking and a fairly aggressive man marker at, at times. And he was out of favour. He was out of favour at the start of the year, wasn't he? I think he was. Yeah, and I sort of was finding it strange because he, he was he was a fairly solid part of probably what Mickey was about and uh, in his time and. Um, you know, you, you you were at that stage of thinking he's a guaranteed guaranteed starter at that point. Um, and then and then the guys came in, but he's obviously worked his way through the worked his way through the the, the training and the team, and and now is again he's he's a good he's just a he's, he can do a bit of everything. Um, and he, you know in terms of he can do that marking piece, but he's a he's a baller too. Like he yeah. can get up the pitch and he can take he can take scores and whatnot as well and link play. So, uh, in a fairly solid definitely had a fairly solid uh, piece. Ram Wiley was very good, I thought as well, but. Like McCurry did, you know, you can keep it uh, someone like McCurry quiet for like a period of time, but he only takes a few chances for him to mm-hmm. kick a few points. And you're you're looking at the end of the game going, ah, oh, he finished with not four or whatever, and, and you're going, well, did he really have that good yeah. day, on, day on him? He took a mark one time, like McCurry near the, the second half, um, which he's not not uh, would be noted for his, his feeling they got there, you know, and and, and kicked it over. So you know, he was still has a he still had a he had a quieter game than what he had, you know, in terms of what you expect from him, but. Still, a, still not a bad day for him. Yeah, no, exactly. I think we will give it to Maddie Donnelly, the dummy solo. It reminded me of Alan Brogan, 2001. Uh, 2002. Ma- 2002, was it? <laughs> All right, that close enough, but, wasn't it? I reminded Mark O'Reilly about it a few years after that, maybe about 10 years after that. Yeah, we had a bit of crack about it, but yeah, that was, it was... Oh, no, it wasn't Mark O'Reilly. It might have been Cormac. Oh, it was Mark O'Reilly. Yeah, it was Mark really O'Reilly, was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a nice little... Uh, three points on the debut that day? Three points that day, yeah. It was my debut, second game. That was oh, the Leinster semi-final. Right, okay, I thought that was your debut. 1-2 then in the final. So yeah, was that Lake Gale Gale, has yeah. A, you gave me a great refresher <laughs> on your... On your <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there and we'll talk about the Leinster final next. All right, so 11 in a row for Dublin. Um, I'm going to ask you how's the head this morning, Alan, but like, I mean, genuinely that makes no posy bit of odds to Dublin fans at this stage, does it? <laughs> I wouldn't say it makes no odds. Like it's like it's another medal at the end of the day. But I think in the overall scheme of things, um, 
kind of probably not. We probably knew. But having that many uh, Leinsters cheapens Leinster, though. Like, I mean, how many do you have? Um, you don't even uh, remember. Do <laughs> <laughs> you get my but point, I, though? Like, I mean, if you have 11 Leinster medals, does 11 or 13 make any, mean any difference? Yeah, like, no, I mean, it's irrelevant, but, really. In well, it's a step along the way. Like, we know the provincials, so we, we don't get into it today, but we know the provincial championships um, in, 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 in certain areas have a lot of problems. Um, and in terms of the overall All-Ireland competition, they're probably not really fit for a purpose in terms of you look at the competitiveness of the Ulster Championship compared to compared to the Leinster Championship. But hopefully that'll be addressed over the next over the next year or so. But I think for the players it's another step along the way. Like it's still a medal, like you still value I still value my Leinster Championships. Um I suppose the more you win, like they're there to be won. Like you just go and win them. That's something to that, win, yeah. Something, something to, win, to win, you go and win them. I suppose so for players they enjoy winning in the Burn Cup. They're just want you know, it's 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 a competition that you want to win. Like I mean, I'm not saying but it definitely cheapens it, you know, like I mean it definitely gets to the point. Now you look at Dublin yesterday, um, Alan, right? Completely off colour as far as I'd be concerned. Like I mean, still won Leinster by eight points. You know, like I mean, no huge celebrations. There is no doubt Dublin aren't at, at the level that we're used to. Like I'll give you some examples. Conor Callaghan tapping it into the goalie's hands off his left from four, from the 14-yard line. Con running into Kieran Kilkenny in the second half, not really knowing where, where he was going. He had a nightmare. Kilkenny was done for over-carrying twice. Now, I haven't, the first time was very harsh under Hill 16. Um, James McCarthy getting turned over. You know, you don't see that. Dean Rock driving a Gary Owen up in the air. When do you see that? And then running after it. <laughs> like, and he had a face on him on the bench. It looked a little bit like he didn't. He, he wasn't too happy about being taken off. Fenton nightmare, not in it at all. Kicking an uncharacteristic wide, which probably you know he he would he would usually get. Niall Scully having a half-hearted left-footed shot blocked down in front of Hill sixteen. He could have scored a point way before that. Laxadaisical. Paddy Small hitting the bloody post from fourteen meters out on his left-hand side. Like I mean, that's some list of this is the Dublin senior football team. Yeah, it was. It was a disappointing enough performance from Dublin. I think if you're looking at it, and if you take away the opposition and the and the comp and the competition that it was, if you look at the Dublin performance, there was lots of stuff that they'd be annoyed about, um, and it's probably no harm that it's happened now. But it's it's like to be fair, they haven't been great the last couple of games either. No. And, like, there's been and a appar- few, apparently been that was an improvement of the Mead performance. I didn't see the whole Mead match. Like I mean, it must have been shite that day altogether. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, look, I don't know. There was talk about like our Dublin board. Maybe the whole like the whole pace of the game was like the pace of the game was terrible. Like in fairness to Kildare, I thought they defended quite well and they they stuck in the game in the first half, but they never really showed any intent of trying to go and win the game. No, and they kind of let Dublin play this possession game where they pass back and forth to field and 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 and. They never really pushed out on them to try and force any turnovers or or force Dublin to come and to come and really beat them. Um, so, so even though Kildare did okay, did okay defensively for periods of the game, they never really looked like they wanted the game, or never really, really believed that they could win the game. And I think you saw it in the interview with with, with, uh, with Daniel Flynn afterwards. Like he 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 nearly said that. Like that we came out to enjoy ourselves and to put in as as good a performance as we could. So that shows they probably never really believed that they could win the game. No, it didn't that, seem that it didn't seem like that from his. And that was, I think that may that may that may have been a cause for the pace of the game for long periods of the game, was very slow and very pedestrian. Yeah, there's more though, Colm. This was the closest Leinster final since 2013. It was the first time since 2001 
that a team, the opposition, has scored more goals than them. And for the second game in a row, Dublin Dublin's bench haven't scored as much as the opposition's bench. These are all stats that are very, very unusual. And, like, I mean, a lot of people talk about the retirements, right? So you have Stephen Cluxton, who we're not sure the story is. Eric Lowndes. Eric Lowndes was not a starter at all last year. He wasn't, a lot of games he wasn't getting off the bench. Michael Darren McCauley, the same. Paul Mannion was only coming on as a sub. Paddy Andrews didn't feature at all. Keno Sullivan didn't feature at all. They're all the retirements. I don't think the retirements have hit Dublin. There's no doubt the injuries has affected, you know, the, the level of player they're bringing off the bench because when they get the injuries cleared up with Merchant back, you have John Small back, you have McDade back. You know, like Brian Howard was coming off the bench last year. You know, and so was Paul Mannion. Some, you know, Karma Costello could be back on the bench. You know, getting the injuries cleared up is a, is a bigger thing for Dublin than, you know, the talk of, you know, retirements has weakened them, which I don't think it has. Yeah, I'd 100% agree on that. Um, we talked on the show a few weeks ago back as well about Dublin's bench and is it as strong at this current time as what, we, what, what historically it has been when you're bringing Mannion and these guys on? At the moment, it, like, it doesn't look like it. Um, Obviously, it was, as you said, they're a bit small and Merchant, I think. There were, obviously, Merchant came on and, and Small started or whatever. And they're two plus points to have them boys back, like, because they will shore things up and they definitely will add value. Even when Merchant came on, and, uh, like, he was just adding up a bit of injection of pace, uh, which Dublin didn't really seem to have at times. Um, I was watching, Alan's right, like, Kildare set out in a way, probably just to stay in the game. They didn't have any ambition probably to win the game um, in that regard. And it's still not a great performance from Dublin. There's still question marks. I'm not going to say there's massive cracks here that, you know, you're going, ah, they're not going to win the Iron or they're not going to beat Mayo and whatnot. But there, there's definitely chinks that we've talked about for the last number of weeks and uncharacteristic things happening in with Dublin at the moment. Um, like, But at the same time, Fenton was poor at the weekend and in all reality, O'Callaghan wasn't great. Uh, I said Kilkenny had some a lot of mistakes and they still won the game comfortably. Um, you know, it's still eight points, it's still a, a big enough margin. Where we're used to seeing Dublin win by twenty points every game, and you know, uh, you know, we're sort of now sort of questioning are they good enough? Uh, because they're only winning by eight, so there's definitely a lot of stuff going on that's not we're not used to seeing. Um, and but but. They're, only, they're coming up against teams that aren't trying to win, I don't think. You know, they're just trying to stay in the game and defend. I remember watching part of it in Dublin were just knocking the ball around and Kildare just were happy to sit back. They were getting well beat and we're, they were still just staying in their shell and not coming out. And they were going, look, lads, you know, please go and have a go. Even if, like, and I, it, it rewinded me back to where Tyrone were at a, few, a number of years ago. I remember yeah. us sitting back in with 14 men behind the ball maybe everybody, and Dublin were knocking the ball around and I was screaming for boys to go out and go and just go and make a tackle. If you miss, that's okay, but at least make them do something. And the weekend was something similar. You were you were sort of just sitting watching the game going, well, they're just going to knock the ball about. But yeah, look, the, the big thing is that they're, they're definitely, Dublin's definitely making a lot more mistakes and I'm just not sure. The guys have brought on to date, I don't know, obviously know them a lot better than I will, but I, I just don't see that they're the same quality that they're bringing on. You know, you're, and they don't seem to have that direct impact in a game that you know to, to get Dublin over the line and but again we'll just have to see when they come up against um, strong opposition over the next game or so and that'll tell us where they're at obviously. My fear uh, as a say as a Dublin supporter kind of watching on is that a lot of the that a lot of the guys in the team now look very safe in their places and that hasn't always been the way for the last yeah. number of years no one felt safe and um, because of the strength and, and uh, like 
I'll come back to the bench in a sec, but the strength of the Dublin bench, say with the likes of Michael Darren McCauley, Kevin McMenon, these guys that were seasoned, seasoned into county footballers, the guys, the younger guys that were that were getting the 15 shirts were ahead of these guys, knew they were under pressure to, to perform every day because, because of the guys that were on the bench. And now there might just be a bit of a case that the guys that are on the team now know that the that that, that it's they're quite, a level above the well not even that they're level above but it's a quite inexperienced bench so is Desi really going to make a call to say drop a Dean Rock to maybe play a Colin Pascal like it's probably unlikely even though I thought yesterday you mentioned on Merchant on Merchant now when he came on he injected pace I thought the two Pascals came on and actually looked like they wanted to make an impact on the game to try and make an impact on the game they injected yeah. a bit of pace in Collie could have got a goal um Ryan got a good score and they linked up well. So at some stage you got to say, I think as a management team, right, these guys are actually coming on, they're injecting pace into the game, they're trying to make an impact. I need to play one of these to give them a chance. You need to let a bench know, you need to let a squad know that yeah, if somebody's yeah. doing well, they're going to get rewarded with a spot. Whereas at the moment it looks like the team is just a little bit too settled for me. And when you have a settled team, that breeds a bit of... A bit of uh, a bit it, of complacency yeah. because you know you're not going to be dropped fair, and my fear is yeah. is that creep in a little bit I might be wrong and it's very difficult to analyse Dublin at the moment you say, because they're playing against teams that are that are probably slightly inferior than them they they just seem happy to win the games and just just keep trucking along happy to hold on to the ball and force teams to come out on them and if a team doesn't want to come out on them then they're happy to hold on to the ball yeah. they don't really want to kind of go and obliterate teams like like we used to see them do three and four years ago But so it's difficult to analyse but there's a little fear that maybe there's a little bit of complacency setting in to maybe the first 15 guys because they know because those guys know that they're nearly guaranteed their spot which, which hasn't always been the case up till maybe a year or two ago Just on that to be fair to Desi the injuries have crippled him because he wasn't afraid to put Howard and Mannion on the bench last year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think he's afraid to make those decisions. It's just like, Jesus, you know, leaving Dean Rock off for Basquiat is such a huge call. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just using that as an yeah, example. Yeah, no, I give you... No, but I'm, I'm trying to understand a little bit why I do... I agree with you. There might be a little bit of complacency set in because of the lack of the lack of competition. But you were back to their boring best in the second half column. Like, I mean, they refused some shots in the first half, which the Niall Scully one that he got a half block down, he played, he had a shot on there, a tap over point. He, went, he had to play another pass to get it a little bit closer and then got blocked down. Like, the refusal to take on a shot that's even, you know, 80% sure thing is just infuriates me. And, you know, at half time they... they they discussed that they were taking on too many shots in the first half. Amazingly. And in the second half, wait until you hear this stat, they took 12 shots and scored 11 points. Only Fenton hit a wide. And they were back to their purely boring best of playing it on the outside. And again, you don't blame it too much. This is Kildare's fault. Kildare should be out tackling them. You know, but like, I mean, at the same time, geez, Dublin take it to extremes when they see that in front of them, don't they? Yeah, but that's why they're so good. Uh, yeah, look, they did. They, they, they obviously there was a lot of mistakes, um, and they obviously uh, discussed that and, and tried to. The second half, they, as you say, they nearly went back to what they were good at. They were playing around the, they were staying very wide, and they were creating overlaps and trying to. You know, it's, it's difficult to play against. Obviously, they were nearly facing a team that I say were just they were just I just spoke about getting men behind the ball and and stopping scores and just not really any ambition, but. They definitely did work it uh, a lot better, and like I would say, if they continued the same vein in the first half, where they started to kick wides and and take, they were taking on shots that they normally didn't. They normally, you don't associate them taking on, and um, like yeah, that started. I didn't realize that was the start in the second half. Twelve, eleven scored out twelve. So um, yeah, look, and that, and that's what that's where we're, we're sort of going. We're critical. We're very critical of Dublin at the moment and saying that they're they're making a lot of mistakes and and that, but. 
can they then just switch it on when they need to? Um, and again, the quality of opposition, we have to say that this, it's not there yet. So um, I think the semi final is going to be their test. Like, yeah. That's going to be, you know, you'll, we'll know. Like, and again, it's, too, it's nearly too late at that point, um, you know, for us to say anything because they're, you know, we're saying now that they're, they're, they're not looking great. And ever since, uh, you know, the first day out and that, they haven't lit, lit it up at all. Um, so it's just whether they can, you know, they can turn it on the way they need to. They're, they're going very conservative as well, Alan. So you see a lot of teams like they nearly left Kildare the two or three zonal players the whole way through the game, which makes it very hard to get through. Instead of moving a couple of players up or, you know, bring Johnny Cooper stay back full time sweeper, for example. Instead of, you know, when that stalemate situation arrives, a corner back comes in, injects a good bit of pace in it. Now a zonal lad comes out to him. He might turn around. You've taken one zonal lad out of it. You know, they didn't seem to attack with as many players. They seem to struggle to get through a little bit maybe even like Kerry against Tipperary. I know it's not easy to play through, but you, you kind of have to be brave by yeah. nearly pairing one-on-one off in that half of the field. Yeah, and look, maybe it's a case that they were playing slightly within themselves. It didn't look like there was any real intensity. Like, even I know Kildare had men back, but it, but you're right, it never looked like Dublin had any real intent to try and kind of break them down or try and put a move together to try and get a goal yeah. at all. Like, it was all very much... Individual kind of stuff, Pass around, yeah. let's see, can we just get a gap to kick the score or whatever. And I would have liked to see a bit more... Uh, a bit more attacking vigour for Dublin in terms of injecting pace at certain stages and stuff. And you're used to seeing Johnny, like Johnny's not afraid to get up and, and, and go on an overlap or there's the likes of Brian Howard, like is a forward tradition, he's now playing centre-back. He never really, he never overlapped at all. He never really got past midfield at all. He very much held that centre-back position. Um, They're more worried about John's, Daniel Flynn maybe? Like, I mean... Well, they always, like, Dublin have always only played with one extra man back. That was kind of the, that, that was kind of the rule over the years. You just need yeah, one extra man. You even man. need that one. Like I mean, if oh, you they'll never leave. You'll never leave Daniel Flynn. But like they can't kick it that far, dangerous. you know. They can't kick it that far. Like you will they, get somebody back, I suppose. Yeah, they'll always play someone in front of them. But it looked like there was maybe three men staying back at stage instead of pushing up on the Kildare guys and just occupying. Because if you have men, when you have Kildare men like that, you need to try and occupy them. So you need yeah. to somebody needs to run past them so you can pull one of the defenders away, and that might leave a gap for someone else to run into. But we didn't really see that from Dublin yesterday, and maybe it's a case of that they're playing slightly within themselves. But it, it's. Like kind of playing slightly within yourself is that actually a thing? You're going out in the Leinster final, like they still score twenty points against an extremely defensive, defensive team. team. Like yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's weird, isn't it? Like that would have been unheard of four years ago. Yeah, no, maybe we're being overly critical. Maybe just because they're not playing or haven't managed to click like they did a few years ago, that 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 maybe the team is waning. But look, as you say, they still they still score twenty points, won the game won the game at a canter but but like I suppose there's a lot of question marks around and that kind of talk like kind of get in on lads like say Khan's not having his best season Kieran's doing okay missed a few chances yesterday I thought he was very good in the second half he was good in the second half Brian Fenton's having a quiet enough season can that sort of talk start to get in on lads and they start to think the confidence starts to drain a little bit because they are going to need to produce like I know we could talk about Mayo and, and, and maybe Mayo aren't a team that'll beat Dublin but they'll certainly press up on their kickouts. they certainly ask questions that they haven't been asked so far this year so at the moment we don't know and, and the Dublin management team don't really know how Dublin are going to react when that happens
because they haven't faced it this year. Yeah, that's a problem. And uh, like, I mean, you're looking at Cavan and Mayo last year. This year's going to be Mayo and Kerry. It look, you know, or potentially, geez, I, I forgot Colin was on the line there. P- Kerry or Tyrone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> here, but Jack O'Connor said here. That's the um, way he's wanted up there, Colin, isn't it? <laughs> five, five to one, Tyrone are. Jesus, that's a very, yeah. Somebody said to me, I see they're five to one, which I think is madness. Yeah, it's very, it's very long odds. But Jack O'Connor said, this is a funny quote from Jack O'Connor. He says, I thought some of the commentary during the week was a bit over the top. People were talking about us getting trimmings and getting hammerings and conceding four and five goals and all that. So he was pissed off about the talk, but then set up his team exactly in a way to prevent that from happening. So I don't think he had much belief in it. Like, we talk a lot about Dublin. It's very hard to be too critical of Kildare because how's, how are Kildare any different to Leash, Westmead or any of the teams that play Dublin in Leinster? Did nearly all of them play two-man full forward line and everybody else defends and you could have one. So there was a feature of a Kildare play, Jesus, Fergal Conway. They, they got a good few turnovers in the first half from Dublin messing and not being at their best. But they could have, they had no attacking option. But Fergal Conway actually had to turn around. It was mm. one of those turnovers where he came bursting out and the crowd cheered. And he looked up ahead and he probably said, Johnny Cooper fought covering and maybe Brian Howard and he just turned back around. And it's just like, when are teams going to realise that there's two sides of of play without those turnovers are great but without having enough players up the field you can't score so one it's defeat it's it's self-defeating it's it's yeah and i i did i watched the game thinking they're they've killer playing the way Tyrone did years ago yeah and, and that's reality and, like, and Tyrone were such like we were like we had there were serious fitness levels in our team and i'm sure killer is no different but no matter how fit and well conditioned you are to be able to play that game, it's, it takes an awful lot of energy to do that. And yeah, I think you know you can't. I, I can't be too highly critical of Kildare because as I said we did that for years. But it's not going to win you the game. It's, it's really not. It's it almost impossible, score, isn't it? It keeps the score down. Like we did. Okay, we always got to a certain point in the championship where we were doing well, and uh, you know. But then we always come unstuck against one of the big teams. And yeah, look, it's hard. Like Kildare probably aren't there yet and you know they're probably thinking look we take Jack O'Connor by thinking look we'll take this you know this is a step forward from where we were last year and they have to start putting the same as me than these teams your building blocks are trying to break Dublin down as the years go on they're not there yet um you can't be too highly critical of them trying to stay in the game and, and hope for a few goals to, to, to do that but as you rightly said when, when you turn balls turn the balls over um if you have no outlet in the half forward line and the, and, the, and then ultimately in the full forward line, you're not going to score. So you're just, you know, you're and Dublin. Say Dublin weren't overly risky either. They weren't going high full court press where you could get it, get in behind them too often. So yeah, but, that's yeah. the thing. Look, I think if you want to play like that, you have to have a couple of game plans. So you play like that for 15 minutes, then wait, okay, let's change. Let's push up the kick out yeah. for 10 minutes to see what happens, then revert back into our defensive structure. Because um, if you play like that for the whole game, as you say, you're not going to win the game. It is self-defeat. And I think what, what and you can't be too critical of Clare because like, they did ship a big loss against Dublin a couple of years ago. But I, but I think where where you can be, when they got the goal, with 
however much time was left at that stage, then you say, right, everyone push up, let's just go for, for a few minutes and see what happens, whereas they didn't. They, yeah. they, like, we don't see Dublin got the next three scores. We, like, we don't just see enough of that though, Ellen, right? So, like, I mean, the, the, the quarters now are perfect. So, say 15 minutes, and if I saw Kildare coming out and putting everyone in behind the ball 15 minutes, now Dublin will go into their meeting and they'll go, Jesus, lads, and Desi go, right, we're going to have to play. Now, all of a sudden, you're, you're, you've completely changed what you're doing. And now the Dublin lads are trying to communicate in the field, stop that, now we can kick it in. And before they figure this out, it's half time, half time yeah. why, why don't we see that from teams yeah like it's difficult to do I suppose you spend a, like they're only two weeks to prepare for the Dublin game they're trying to implement this game plan and, and if you start talking about two game plans does it get very confusing and I think that's yeah. the but I think that's what needs to be done and guys at that level are capable of doing that if there's good communication on the field if the message is right coming from the management guys are capable and we used to do it with Pat Gilroy we practice it we actually practice it with Pat Gilroy where we change game plan in the middle of a half in league matches we do it just to, just to practice for the championship and a call will go out and we just change the way we were playing and some days it worked some days it didn't but you learn to laugh from it and then like it's difficult to do in two weeks but the water breaks are perfect for it maybe we obviously didn't have water breaks then but the water breaks are because you can have a chat about it at the break say right, right we're going to change now and I was disappointed with Kildare after they got the goal that they, that they didn't really try pressure up on Dublin kickouts now and even try and get the next door, the next score Dublin got the next three scores after that and the yeah. game was over again the game was over it um, just fizzled out I was yeah. actually my dad was at the game and I was talking to him this morning he said like even after they got the goal there was a cheer but there was no real like there was no real excitement in the crowd or passion on the pitch that you thought right Kildare are going to come again right. it was just it, it just reverted back to type and the same thing happened again for the next 15 minutes after that which which I think was disappointing You you often see those game plans I suppose Colin working alright in the first half where the energy levels are very high and like to be fair because Dublin weren't playing well at all in the first half Kildare missed a lot like Ben McCormick geez, his shooting boots weren't on at all um, in the first half I think Fergal Conway Daniel Flynn the few, the good few of them one or two into the goalie's hands like it could have been nine seven seven nine eight at half time, and they're in the game now. We've seen Westmead and teams being close to Dublin at half time because of those, um, you know, game plans and everything. Like you won't win over the course of the game. Dublin will figure it out. But then maybe the point is to maybe do something different in the second half. You know, but look, it doesn't look like teams are 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 happy doing that. But Daniel Flynn and Jimmy Highland cause a few problems inside. The problem is they left Johnny Cooper as the sweeper. Now, would you not, if you were Jack O'Connor, say to Ben McCormick, Ben, get back down here. We don't want, you know, we don't want to cover a man. Now you go down, Johnny marks you. Will Dublin bring back another lad then to, to you know, to start covering then? At least you're throwing them off what they want to do. You know, like, I mean, I did think that leaving the two men covered by Johnny Cooper, while Ben McCormick doesn't want to be back there anyways, just leave, Jesus, leave three up there. Yeah, the more obviously the more you leave up, the more the more space there is in Croke Park uh, to, for for them to puncture holes for you. So yeah, um, yeah. Look, the, the big thing is Alan's book around it. There is is trying to transition uh, mid game, and historically that's been difficult for teams, and that's why Dublin have won an awful lot. You said Alan there that he's used to practice it, like a like probably from our point of view, we only done it in the last one or last two or three years maybe tried to do that um it's very very difficult to implement and they said the water breaks and whatnot are allowing them it allows you a platform to do that now whether you know whether they stay they're staying in or or, or not but uh teams should be able to now at this point they should be able to have two to three different plans of whatever way they want to play and, uh, and shift when they need to but i suppose the big fear with Kildare was that if they, if they push more men up and, and really try to Try to leave men up the pitch. It just left, it would have left so many gaps to the back, and then Dublin doing what they, like you seen you said their second half they, they were very fairly efficient. Um, they would have punctured more holes and 
probably would end up with a goal or two. And, you know, you're, we're, we're back talking around uh, a 10, 15, 20 point defeat, like so. Um, but yeah, look, you have to have a go. Uh, my, my opinion is, anyway, like, you know, Alan talked about uh, Kildare not going for it. Um, after Flynn got the goal, yeah, it just went back to Dublin holding the ball, slowing it down, and they just ran back in the in that defensive shape again, which it's, it's that type of play. It's not to say it's not winning games anymore. It's it probably never really did. <laughs> maybe back way, back in Donegal's times, uh, maybe. Yeah. But at this stage of the of the world football, is that teams have worked that out. So, um, but yeah, the, you're trying to say, look, well, they had a, we can't be critical of Kildare because they stayed within you know eight points, but did they really have a go? Like I know as a player, I'd be sitting there this morning going, did we really have a go? And I, I have been there. I've been there over the years where. We're going, fuck's sake, we just defended here the whole time and you know we didn't actually go and have a crack at them like and you know that that's hard to, from a player's point of view i guess hard to you know it's hard to stomach and it's it doesn't sit well with me now um i say it's but it's seizure said said that like, yeah you want to try and you don't want to get paid by 20 points either that's that's an interesting point you know when you look yourself in the mirror and go jesus we didn't even ask them any questions that's always my problem with teams against uh dublin and like i mean they scored 20 points Dublin have shown that's dropping those bodies back. We saw Westmead in a more park last year. We saw Leash. They're all trying to do it. It doesn't keep it doesn't keep the score down that far, and you can't score. So would you not go here? Do you know what I'll do? I'll risk them scoring a goal to try and score a goal ourselves and give us something to shout. When are we going to get back around to managers going saying that and going? We need four forwards up minimum, and can two midfielders and two half two half forwards covering around that forty five meter line? Is that not enough with everyone marking their feckin' man to give us a chance on the other side that you don't need those extra two players? Now, obviously, like there's times I think Tyrone are trying to get McKenna and Bradley to... Like, the players will attack, especially depending who you're playing against, where your half-forward line will be dragged out and then there is a disconnect. Then you have to run that. But surely that's the, that's the opposition messing your plan up. Why would you want that? That's a terrible thing for your team. Yeah, yeah no, I think that, like, it's it's... Like certainly, if I was managing a team, that's the that that is the way you'd want to play, and um, that's why I said I won. Like we can't be too critical of Kildare, but I think especially after the goal, and they never really like I think like any team now, you need to go after somebody's kick out at various stages in the game. Like conceding a kick out to Dublin for the whole game and allowing them have the ball is just soul destroying. Like yeah. it's it's it, like it's a long way, it's a long way back from if you're going to concede. Dub- Dublin to kick out and any of the teams we've seen over the years that have put a good press on Dublin kick outs they're the ones that now it can be risky as well sometimes well that's the look, it goes in like you've seen Cluck knock one over the top and they get a goal yeah. out, they get a goal off the break of but that's the only that's the only way to play is try and on any team not just Dublin it's to try and put, put pressure on the kick out and then if you want to get your men back but at least get them up for the kick outs um, and try and try and compete on the kick out because conceding it to Dublin and allowing them have the ball is yeah. is, uh, is very the, difficult there's definitely opportunities for, like I know from from set players, nearly from you know from whatever say Kildare would have a free kick, um or whatnot. Like there's always opportunities. Are we are saying like I know we've tried it with clubs and different what different sort of plans where when you're coming up against a team that's probably superior in terms of quality to us, like you don't always. There's times where you want to give them the ball and you're going right. Well, tell you what, we'll just get back into the fan here and we'll stifle that and try and work on that side of it. But whenever say we have a free kick. Uh, and we're fairly confident it's going over the bar. That's the time then to just go and look at least on, yeah. on, or zone or whatever you're doing. It doesn't matter whatever system you want to play. But at that point, you're, you can set up. While sometimes in open play, the, 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 the goalkeepers move that fast now, and you've maybe made a couple of runs, and the ball's just out and away before you're even turned around. So 
I think there's teams, you know, when you're coming up against somebody like Dublin, you know, there's time to press and there's time to drop off potentially. Um, and definitely from the from the set players and whatnot, the teams should be 100% pressing up on them. And whatever form that takes, then at least you're, you're offering something different there. And then, you know, um, yeah, you could drop off at times if you want. But uh you have to do. You have to. Have, you have to mix it up at this stage. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Finish up some positives for Dublin is John Small being back. Terrible hamstring injury. Played forty two minutes. Went off with a blood sub. I say Desi was just delighted. Look, you've gotten through forty minutes. You're back now. Um, the positive effect of him being back was James McCarthy back in midfield. He broke it really well. Competed really well in the air. You know, like I mean, that's a big plus. Merchant is back which might put Brian Howard back into forwards, which might mean either Paddy Small or Carmel Costello now is an impact off the bench. Do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. mean, they, there, there's, there's a, there, there are positives, and McDade is good enough to be on the panel the next day. You know, like, I mean, he's another one. He could push Howard onto the bench, you know, by, by moving players around, you know? So, like, I mean, there are positives for, from Dublin that they are getting back. Like, I mean, I was saying, they hate Mayo. Mayo hate them. If anything is going to spark Dublin, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the next game. Yeah, like I wouldn't be, like I wouldn't be worried about Dublin in any way. I think. Would you not a little like bit I now? May, no, I think Mayo will bring the best out of them. I think you're right, and and like I think, like they'll take it up a level certainly from what we saw yesterday in terms of the intensity they play with on the field. And I think you'll probably see it this week. Like they'll know, like at the start of the season when they had it mapped out, they'd have known they would have been at this stage the Tuesday or the Monday after. <clears throat> After a Leinster final, they've two weeks for all Ireland semi final. They'll probably have the have a training match now next weekend, which I'm sure will be the best training match of the year, considering what's considering what's ahead. So I think the next two weeks, kind of mentally from from a Dublin perspective, will be uh, will be very important. But I'm sure we'll see them lift the intensity levels of like like of how they play, and they know they're going to face a different challenge in Mayo. They know they're going to ask Mayo going to ask a lot more questions than what they've been asked so far. Um, and and as you say, the couple of a couple of subs coming back. I think the Pascal's doing quite well yesterday. Maybe there is a little bit more competition now going in for places going into the next day than there has been over the course of the Leinster Championship. Yeah, so they might lift it a little bit. Performance of the weekend. Um, Daniel Flynn got man of the match. Hard really to argue with that, uh, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, his goal was just incredible. And that's, again, the frustrating thing. Jimmy Highland, Daniel Flynn, top quality players, just didn't probably have the support. Daniel Flynn won a good few balls early on and was having to loop back around waiting to get a bit of support with him and stuff. And then he, the support dried up and he started going for maybe a shot that he didn't, he shouldn't have. And he, he got dispossessed a couple of times because, you know, that off the shoulder pass isn't on from a target man. But I'd not call him like, I mean, his goal was phenomenal. He's walking onto any team in the country as a target man number 14, right? Oh, no doubt, absolutely no doubt. Uh, look, he's he, he's got everything. He, he's obviously a, a very uh, prolific, you know, he, you know, winning that first ball. He's pacey, he's strong. Um, it's not too often to see McCarthy and dispossessed and that and that you know so easily and just going in and him, you know, he went past. I'm not sure who it was, but he, he obviously dispossessed McCarthy. Johnny Cooper, back, just Johnny, just knocked Johnny Cooper out of the way and just you know buried it. So. Look, uh, he was he was obviously at a fantastic game, and look, he was nearly at times, you know, you were just you were crying out for somebody to help him with because he was, you know, he was looking up and he was winning ball, he was he was uh, assisting things, he kicked a few in the middle, you know, cross field passes and whatnot. He was, yeah, it was probably hard to argue that uh, that he wasn't he wasn't the the top performers, the top performer that day. And he walks, he does, he walks on any team. Yeah. I think that goal in itself is going to be enough for Dublin over the next kind of two weeks to get their mind right like James McCarthy he will be furious with himself like he like he you know James he prides himself on, on, on being a tough defender 
and to get turned over like that uh, 30 yards from his own goal Johnny Cooper as well very tough defender there was just a bit of a size mismatch I think there but his, his pride will be dented a little bit as well with how he was knocked over by Daniel Flynn coming through and stuck in the net and the, the two of those boys are obviously very influential in the Dublin dressing room so they'll use that I think they'll use that particular moment in the game to say right this is where we weren't right lads and if we don't sort this out for the next day if we get if we get turned over like that by Mayo the next day it could be uh, it could be a different story so I think it's a very important it was a great goal but I think for Dublin it'll be a very important moment in their in their analysis and their talk over the next over the next few days as well ahead of, yeah. ahead of Mayo I thought Jimmy Highland had a very good first half there was a lovely moment where he scored his first point and he goes around Mountain to Mick Fitzsimons yeah. see that Mick's just start laughing Mick at him go away you little punk <laughs> 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 you know, Mick like, like I that anyway. that he'd never uh, he'd never really unless he was really annoyed about something he'd never get engaged <laughs> in that sort of stuff and he'd just smile back that's the yeah. that's the uh, that's the docky in him <laughs> but you wouldn't blame Jimmy either look he was up for it yeah, and he yeah. wanted it you know but it was almost like now come on now you like, <laughs> <laughs> I have six All-Irelands in my, in my sock here or how many eight Simon's probably has eight like eight, I mean yeah, yeah. so like I mean that. Kieran Kilkenny did stand up in the second half column like I mean he he quite likes getting in and around that kind of possession based game he's well able for it he has more patience than I have anyways like I mean he can he could do that for five minutes without stopping and be patient enough he got a great a great brave mark scored two two good points um, you know I thought he was probably over the whole game um, Dublin's best player yeah he, everything went through him and any, anything that was good in Dublin's attack and play came through him and you know um, he kicked you know, he kicked two points, kicked one off his both feet. Maybe I think he got as well. Like so, he he definitely you know he had some he had some shaky enough moments, but you know it didn't phase him. The, the the good thing that I sort of was watching him, he was he was making the odd mistake and he get blew up for too long and and whatnot, but it didn't seem to take a flinch out of him. Like and that's probably the uh the, you know when you see that you go look that's somebody that's you know a seasoned campaigner and can just you know doesn't worry about mistakes while other players sort of. They make a few mistakes and you know you can see the head dropping and whatnot but now anything that was good in dub for dublin uh the weekend it went it seemed to go through him and like, we all know that he can dictate games and control the games when he wants to and slow it up and you know pick pick up the pace when he wants to so um fairly fairly positive day for him yeah karma costler got four from play i did came away from the game not remembering karma costler getting four from play at all did you yeah he was probably quiet enough but i think the few chances he got he uh he, he kind of nailed them but I think Kieran was probably a lot more influential at the crucial stages of the game when Dublin were starting to pull away he got a couple of scores like I just said he got a good mark and look we know what to expect from Kieran now at this stage at the, like at times for me he can be a little bit frustrating because he slows it down so much sometimes and you can see opportunities where not a, why don't you go and take that on but he's he's a, as Colm said he's obviously a very experienced campaigner now and he knows how to he knows how to play this game and for years with Dublin I suppose we struggled to close out games maybe or our game management was 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 poor a number of years ago, but in fairness to him, like he knows, he knows the right thing to do at the right time. And 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 uh, as I've said before, like when he is doing that, who are who are any of us to second guess Kieran Kilkenny? Yeah, exactly. Anyone else from Dublin that kind of impressed you? It's hard to okay, a bit like That's, Tyrone. Is yeah. are, are outstanding performances becoming rarer here or something? Well, I think in games like that, where it's like particularly the Dublin game was kind of quite pedestrian for long periods of the game I kind of found myself getting a bit bored with it and, and five minutes ago passed and kind of nothing happened to score or two there wasn't like there wasn't a huge amount of standout moments in the game obviously the goal was was a great finish a couple of Kenny's points maybe but apart from that it was more about maybe 
some of Dublin's poor finishing or maybe them being off colour a little bit. So um it is difficult, but I think Kieran Kilkenny probably was the probably was the best player in view. Yeah, okay, we'll give it to Kieran Kilkenny. Daniel Flynn, um we'll stick well Daniel Flynn actually, we'll give it to Daniel Flynn right. for the one for the one two and, and the mark. Right, we'll leave it there, lads. We'll be back. Um we'll do a show on Thursday. Um and there's no matches this weekend, but we'll talk to you on Thursday. I'm off to do a what if uh, list a Pat Gilroy what, what, if, what if list uh, just for just in life in general. You need I'm to have a, what if the car breaks down <laughs> yeah, on the yeah, way yeah. up? Yeah, what yeah. if I lose my laptop? <laughs> Talk to you on Thursday. Good luck. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I wouldn't be asked to do a whole file. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cover you, a free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow-up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW.